Welcome to A Voice from the Hills. I'm James Warner, co-founder of Silicon Hills Wealth Management here in Austin, Texas. Our guest on today's podcast is living proof that a picture is truly worth a thousand words. Adam Holt and his team at AssetMap have built a platform that converts an endless stream of meaningless integers into a meaningful picture. They've actually made your financial future come to life, become more tangible, and they've given all aspects of your finances equal importance. They do that by giving it some shared real estate or a shared residence, often on a single slide or a single sheet of paper. Now, Adam didn't build Asset Map as a traditional founder per se. He, he built it more as a frustrated financial planner, tired of pouring countless hours of effort into complex financial plans that really never mattered to clients. He needed to paint a picture. And the classic way of doing business in our industry just wouldn't let him paint that picture. So Adam went to work. A billion dollars of assets later and a few meaningful pivots, and voila, Asset Map was born. We're going to talk to Adam about the ideas that led to the formation of the company, ways advisors are using the technology and how clients are, are utilizing it and seeing it for their benefit, and what the future holds not only for the industry, but also for the company and for the technology as a whole. So please join me in welcoming the man responsible for helping advisors and clients alike visualize their financial future. The founder and CEO of AssetMap, Adam Holt. James Warner is the founding partner of Silicon Hills Wealth Management and the host of A Voice from the Hills podcast. All opinions expressed by James, his co-host, and his guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Silicon Hills Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Silicon Hills Wealth Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. All right, Adam, thank you for joining us. So why don't, why don't you take us back a little bit to the origin of Asset Map? I mean, how did a frustrated financial planner become a fintech founder? Probably by mistake. Um, the <laughs> I never expected to be a fintech CEO, although it's been a really interesting journey. As you already know, I, I actually just crossed my 25th anniversary as a financial advisor. I call myself a recovering financial professional now um, because- yeah, don't uh, we all? Yeah, <clears throat> we're always recovering. Um, I'm actually on the wagon these days. I do still see a couple clients, but the reason I created AssetMap was very much like, I think all invention, it's all necessity driven. I had com complicated clients, I came from an artistic background. I'd been a mind mapper forever, basically drawing visualizations of relationships. So that's how I kept my notes. I would draw these mind maps of clients' lives for myself on paper. Eventually, it got so uh, illegible that I needed to buy a program to do it. So I used Visio, if you remember that back in the old days, like oh, sure. 2002, three, four. And uh, it was one of those moments when a client said to me, hey, wh what's, that, what's that drawing you have on the side of your desk there, which I was using for notes? I said, this is my asset map I created for all my clients so I can keep your life in order. He said, you know, you could take your 80-page report and I want that. Don't come with that big report anymore. I just want, let's talk about this map. And I realized it was transferable. So I, uh, you know, I basically started investing in, in building a framework and standard just for our firm. It wasn't until 2012 that we let other people use it and then it literally went viral. So that's the that's the story of Asmap again, a necessity driven invention. Yeah, I remember I was at an e money con uh, conference. I think it was in San Diego, and yeah. and you guys were presenting, and there was this just kind of buzz around your 
around your screen. There was like 50 people there trying to get a, you know, a peek into what it was. I was like, what is that? I, I couldn't even get close enough to, to see it, but it was, and I see it sometimes in our clients when, when we show them the asset map for the first time, they have that look in their eye like, oh, I actually get this. I mean, th yeah. this actually means something to me. So that's really cool. You know, I, I've always thought that kind of the key to being an impactful wealth manager is just being able to import complexity and export simplicity. Amen. And Amen. I think that may, may even be a, a tagline we would use when we show uh, asset map to clients. Is that the fundamental goal? And is there a, a subset goal that comes, you know, after you've shown the simplicity, after you've gotten that aha moment? It's interesting because that, that is what we call it. And I remember that event in 2016 uh, in eMoney e Conference, a fantastic product. Many of us used it, uh, still use it today. But I think, you know, I, I think of it very much like a doctor, right? A doctor, you go to a doctor when you need some form of diagnosis, some feedback, some insight. You, you either want to be healthier or you want to fix the bleeding, right? Um, and you're hoping they're going to apply their intelligence on your life. Well, they have some diagnostic tools they run, right? They use an x-ray machine, use an MRI. And these are all just tools that they use to try to help them make decisions and communicate the challenge. It turns out that an x-ray in general is, is pretty transferable. We can all look at an x-ray of our own skeleton and we can see where the broken bone is, right? But a trained eye sees the dark spots that we don't know to see that are not obvious. And that's what I realized was happening at Asset Map is when we show somebody their own financial x-ray, aka Asset Map, they see what they already know to be their own life and they get now connected to it and they can't kind of hide from the truth. You see what needs to be fixed and filled the obvious stuff, right? Why is everything on one side and not on the other side? Why is there, wait, why do we have so many of these things, honey? Or why don't we have these things, honey? And, and, and I think there's the revelation of your own financial closet now displayed on the bed that says, Hey, this really doesn't fit. But what's interesting is that the experts like at Silicon Hills, uh, and, and with advisors now globally, is they all see something different that the naked eye doesn't tend to see. And that's where we've seen some really interesting implications. For example, you and I might look at an asset map and, and where somebody says, well, I have a lot of boxes that represent a lot of IRAs that are just jumbled up and left asunder. Nobody's paying attention to them, right? From old employers, et cetera. That becomes obvious on an asset map because there's a bunch of boxes that are all doing the same thing. We can just fix that by consolidating it. Uh, but you and I also know to look at the, let's say the, the implication of when you have asset disparity, I've got a lot of assets in her name and nothing in his name, or I noticed there's big gaps here, or this really should be in trust. Why are we putting this? So I think the point of the story is to create a framework where all of us can look at it and say, yes, this represents the truth. This is where all the stuff is but now get intelligence applied on top of that. And that's where you and I really add our value is helping people make better decisions. And I think even internally, uh, you know, within your firm, when you have multiple advisors working on multiple different households, having the asset map is, is really huge because it lets maybe an advisor who's not day to day with that particular client, mm -hmm. look at that with a fresh set of eyes. I think uh, we share a, uh, a podcast that we enjoyed. I think it was uh, Kirsty, uh, your director of planning in uh, South Africa. I think she did one oh, like yeah. in February, and she talked about the benefits of of bringing a clean slate to the financial planning process. You know, looking at it with that 
with that fresh set of eyes because I think we can all become jaded after we look at the same household over and mm-hmm. over again. Uh, and so being able to bring new people on board, getting them a fresh set of eyes, they see those black spots that maybe, maybe over time have just become normal to me. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's hugely helpful for us. I, I don't, I don't know how many other, uh, you know, planning firms use it like that, but it's, it's very helpful to, to get everybody on the same page. Oh boy. Uh, that, yeah. Well, I, I love that phrase. Uh, and just, to, just to kind of tag on to that. You know, what's interesting about it is, is you make a great point about there's a lot of stuff on the map that is revealed that is unintentional, haphazard, perhaps inherited, perhaps not necessarily from our parents, but our old employers gave it to us. We don't even know what it is. We don't question it. It just sits there, but it effectively becomes financial clutter. And what it reveals that there's usually financial instruments that are undermanaged, mismanaged, or effectively creating leakage, right? There, they're just leaking money and you don't know that because you're not you're not paying attention to it. So I think the real key to the asset map is to force a conversation of intentionality. Everything on that map should fit or be there for a purpose. Otherwise, it's what we call idle capital, right? And idle capital is effectively a loss. Just people aren't paying attention to the fact that it's leaking because they're not looking at it. And I think that's the key. And you talk about the high net worth clients and how they value, in many cases, they value structure and the conversation around structure every bit as much as they value investment performance or some of the other things that are, uh, that are talked about. Do you see a renewed focus on performance now that bond and stock markets are struggling or have, have those high net worth clients or from the you know, firms that you work with, are they still, mm-hmm. are they still really honed in on structure? Or are they starting to kind of say, well, let, let's talk about performance and we'll talk about structure at X meeting. Are you starting to see that? That's a good question. You know, I, I think the high net worth experiences that I've always had, structure was significantly more important. It's because they addressed, I mean, think about that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Security all the way up through self-actualization. It turns out Maslow, they've left out something in Maslow's hierarchy. It turns out there is something beyond self-actualization if you're familiar with what we were taught in high school. It turns out that contribution and selflessness is actually beyond in Maslow's hierarchy. They just decided to leave it out. I don't know why. Um, and the reason I say that is because once you get past the core security questions, like, can I retire? Can I pay my bills? And you have, we'll call it surplus, or you've we've kind of ascended beyond those core needs. You tend to think more structurally about legacy. You think a lot about who can take it from me. Uh, so you tend to get more of a defensive posture. And that's when protections such as legal, tax awareness, or tax, we'll call it vigilance, uh, insurances start becoming more relevant or top of mind for you. So structure matters a lot more when you're trying to protect the castle, right? You need the walls, you need the moats, you need the drawbridges, you need the, the embattlements because there's a fear that it can be taken or you'll lose it. And taxes represents one of the bigger, I think, costs of doing business, even beyond fees and all those other fun things that t- people tend to talk about. So I think performance still doesn't usually make the top of the list for the highest net worth clients because number one, they have enough. They're really more worried about protecting what they've got. I think once you move into the middle market or emerging net high net worth or Henry's or whatever you want to call us these days, um, there is, there's always going to be a focus on performance because they tend to, uh, they start financial advice 
thinking about, oh, I really just want to perform because that's how I get to being rich. Once you get to being rich, you're worried about how do I stay rich? Uh, and that's why structure matters more than anything. I think you, you can probably relate more than anybody. Taxes in the high net worth environment winds up being your biggest cost. And so you want to minimize cost, right? You almost will care more about minimizing your cost as a guaranteed expense than a potential upside that you might get, right? It's, it's, it's more effective to reduce your costs than it is to maximize your potential upside where you still might have the cost. So I think that's why I, performance doesn't tend to lead number one in the high net worth space. Yeah. And you talked about on your rethink podcast, I don't know if you want to change hats or not, but, uh, I can change hats uh, with you and Derek, you talked about, uh, it was one of your first ones that you did. You talked about the luxuries of the past becoming the expectations of the present. And and I I thought that was so true. And I I love the comparison between that expectations of a high net worth client and Mm -hmm. how I think Derek brought up how access to information had kind of move some of those expectations down to the mass affluent. Yeah. Um, so here, here's the question. What expectations should today's financial consumer have mm-hmm. for their advisor? You know, it's, it's interesting because the data access, certainly we have more access than ever. I'm saying as a consumer, right? I, I know I can go to my bank. I can get, I can get that balance. I can go into my 401k. I can get the balance. My financial advisor is going to give me a portal. I can get the balance. There's been a real question about why why can't we have that all in one place? The ultra high net worth had the capacity to do this 15 years ago. They could go to one portal, they could see it. It took an extraordinary amount of work in the back end, and they were clearly paying for it. They'd pay tens of thousands of dollars for that real, true aggregated access, but it was a small pittance relevant to how much capital they had. Because technology, as you know, has has enabled us to now scale that technology and bring it to the masses. It's, it's now possible to see a lot of your financial instruments that are on the internet or available on the internet in a more holistic view. The challenge has been, it's been very unreliable. It's breaking a lot. And I think what, what people have said, it, it would be great for us to see for the mass market. It'd be great for us to see where all our financial stuff is, but two things are becoming evident. Number one, people aren't making decisions about all of their finances all of the time and therefore don't need the specificity of, I know what the value is down to the penny. Okay. And that's, that's an important aspect because when I'm making a decision on allocation, I, I don't care whether there's $2 more or less in any one day. So I may not need actual up-to-date information to make a big decision. Right. Um, and so, it turns out we're, we're finding out that the human tendency and even at the highest net worth when we've tested this with them is that there is, there's a desire to know approximately how much I've got in every bucket, right? I approximately have a thousand dollars in the bank. I got a 10,000 in my 401k. I've got a hundred thousand in my mortgage approximately. And we round to the nearest big number. And that's actually good enough because then the question is, should I have that there? Or is there something better I should do or could do? And that's a better use of time than figuring out, is this perfectly accurate to the day? And it also kind of helps you focus on big issues because you're saying, you know, just by the function of rounding it, you're saying, look, we're, we're really harnessing our time and our attention on the big stuff. 
And so Absolutely. let's, you know, you know, let's go do that. You know, I'm, so doesn't that require zooming out? I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point of what, what we were focusing on is can we just give people a view of the zoom out? You see a lot of different things when you zoom out, right? When you're focused in, you're focusing on whether I should own Apple or Walmart, as opposed to saying, wait, should I even be in this vehicle in the first place? Does this complement what we're doing outside? Or has anybody thought about what the real overall risk implication would be if this event happened? And it has, does nothing to do, right? The Walmart uh, Apple argument allocation doesn't have a, hold a candle to whether you should be in that type of vehicle, especially in the high net worth. And I think that's what I bring it full circle. What we're saying now is that that, that luxury for the highest net worth is now becoming a necessity for the consumer. But if you actually follow what the high net worth family needs, they need a visualization of what their where their life generally is so that they can communicate it amongst their advisors and their partners in life so that they can all get on the same page. And that's much more oh, valuable than yeah. knowing it to the penny. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and the, there are always two reasons that a high net worth client comes and seeks uh, our advice. One, they have a very specific issue that they want to solve. Mm -hmm. Or two, they want somebody to help them get a really nice broad overview paint a really clear picture of all these different things that are going on all these different advisors that they're working with i don't think i've ever seen a third reason uh for somebody when you really get down to it it's it's one of those two and in either case whether you're going to focus on that one problem or whether you're going to try to you know bring the big picture into clarity mm -hmm. you have to have the picture yeah yeah that's right you can you can decide whether you zoom in or zoom out right uh, but you can't do either if you don't have the picture. It would be like, well, how do you how do you edit a, a photo if you don't take the photo, right? And, and so that I mean, those those things are they seem very simple, but I think there's probably a majority of people who are walking around with no particular picture, whether it's in their mind or digitally or on paper or whatever. Uh, yeah. of their overall finances. That's, I think that's what scares people about estate planning so much is they don't have everything, you know, focused in that one picture. If they did, it, it, it wouldn't be as daunting uh, a task as it seems to be. Uh, oh but let, let's talk about that. trends for a second. Okay. But you, you talked about this a little bit and uh, it seems to me like when we first got into the business, I've, I've been doing this a little over 25 years now. So we're kind of in the same the same class, so to speak. Um, yeah. it, it seems like fintech was heavy on all-in-one solutions and light or zero integration. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to do everything within their product, and they didn't really particularly want to work with anybody or or set up their operations to interact with other platforms. It seems like today's fintech is really focused on solving a particular problem, mm -hmm. and then integrating and using their integration to work with, you know, other fintech platforms that are serving, you know, solving other problems and then leaving the, you know, the ultimate combination of that to the advisory firm based on how they, you know, choose to do business. Uh, number one, would you agree with that? Is that, uh, do you think that's a pivot that's actually really happening or is that just in my mind? Mm -hmm. And then where, where do we go from here? Hmm. It's a good question. I, there's always going to be this ebb and flow between individuals that are frustrated with the, the the solution set is too big. Can't you just create one platform that does everything for me, fully integrated, one platform, looks the same, feels the same, one login. Awesome. And then what happens is, is there's a huge push to build them. 
couple of them pop up, start getting steam. And then all of a sudden there people realize, well, you didn't engineer this solution the way I would have liked. So now I, I, I like my own little offshoot product better. Can you just integrate with it? So it's, it's this constant need that the, the end consumer, their expectations are continuously changing and they're growing faster than the all-in-ones can keep up because you're, when you're developing 15 different products in the same solution set, you're going to try to build generically to serve the greater population. You're not going to go for the niche players and so forth. And so that's why I always think they're going to be niche products. I mean, if you look at the stuff that's coming out, um, you know, and I'll just drop names. I mean, things like Holistaplan and Bento and there's some new tools. FP Alpha is one of them. Uh, we're starting to see people try to s- advisors. Actually, these are advisor-driven solutions. They're they're trying to solve a problem that the all-in-ones they're not going to do. So I think you're I think you're right to say that integrations is going to become more and more sacrosanct. But here's why: it's not just that these tools talk to each other; it's that people are really also concerned about the data security and moving data from platform to platform to platform. Because guess what happens when you move data a lot? Sometimes it falls out of the bas- basket, right? And right. those are the risk points where attackers or nefarious characters will will look for weaknesses. So I think you're going to see a big sh- a lockdown on integrations. And, and probably push to what we call data lakes, basically you kind of ubiquitous controlled data sets that are very secure and safe. And, and all these different applications are going to just consume the same data. Um, and those will wind up being the all-in-ones. I, I, don't, I don't really see, I see the benefit for an all-in-one, to be honest with you, but I don't feel like they can move as fast as the consumer needs them to move in innovation. Uh, which is why they're going to continue acquiring these companies and absorbing that information, absorbing that, that, that capability. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of a, a tough thing because on the one hand, you know, you know, the security around somebody's data has got to be sacrosanct. Uh, but also the manipulation of the data to get to the simplicity of that, Mm. you know, of that ultimate picture, it's, it's kind of a push and pull, you know, it's push and pull thing. I mean, I, I, I do think that sometimes as, as consumers and advisors, we look too much for tech to solve our problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're too quick to abandon one piece of technology for another piece that might do something a little bit better that, you know, frankly, we know nothing about other than the, other than the output. And so, you know, what I would always caution you know, other advisory firms and, and consumers is, you know, the best technology is the one you know how to use. The best technology is the one you've trained on. The best technology is the one you've, you've put hours in, right? And you can't get those hours back. And I know many a, many a firm that has multiple, you know, multiple tech solutions. Their tech stack looks awesome when they, when they rattle it off. You're like, wow, you've got it all. But they really maybe use 5% of every tool they have, you know, you know, give me a smaller tech stack that we can actually use. And that's, you know, that's really what I want. Uh, And I think, I think as these things become more uh, available to consumers, you know, consumers can fall in that same trap, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple, you know, maybe I use, I use Quicken for this. I use TurboTax for that. I use, I mean, it can very quickly, 
you know, very quickly you can come into the point where you've got these multiple tech solutions that you really can't uh, can't master or really manipulate to their you know to their best use. So that's one thing that I really like about Asset Map is there's not too many moving parts. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you can get a pretty base level understanding of Asset Map quicker than you can a lot of other a lot of other products, which I think that's the beauty of the design too. Yeah. Uh, Sony, you, so that, you, um, oh, sorry. Don't no, no, go ahead. I was, it's funny cause you, you, you triggered something for me and, and you, you asked the question before about all in one versus these we'll call niche players or micro solutions or, or specialty planning tools. It really all comes down to what's the problem you're trying to solve. Almost all the problems you and I try to solve as advisors is how do I communicate and then help us make a decision, right? That, that's really where the rubber hits the road. In order, of course, communicate, making good decisions, I need to understand the landscape, which is what you opened with, right? I need to understand the bigger picture before I can give you relevant guidance. But I think as, as it relates to some of these tools, I think if you really broke it down to what humans use, we don't need an all-in-one. We need an enough-in-one, right? Because as professionals, I don't need eight tools that, that I use 5%. I need one tool that I use 80%. And I'll round out the rest with my process, my capability, my intelligence, my team. Um, and if you can make me really efficient, I'll give you an idea. Our firm at in Philadelphia, 1,600 clients, 100% of them ran asset map. Only seven or so used any type of deeper financial planning tools because they really loved it. And they were the engineers. They loved that. They want to access it. They want to play with it. They were DIYs, you know, as well as do it for me. And... The reality for us is that we literally had only two tools on our entire tech stack. We got rid of everything, CRM and asset map, and that was it. Everything else was either custom or conversation and Zoom meetings. We spent our time with people instead of behind a computer. And I think that's what people really valued more of. So I I tend to joke that people aren't asking for more tech, they're asking for more advice. And that doesn't mean that tech is gonna be providing it. The question for me is how does the tech enable me to deliver more advice? And that advice comes with an engagement experience where you and I are talking about how we can do, how we can make better decisions or what else can we do or what, what are we not doing we could do better? Because it turns out it's more coaching, as you've realized. It's financial coaching for wellness and, of course, to build, if that's their aspiration, wealth um, for the things that it gives them and emotional needs that it serves. So that's, I think, the real key is it's an, we're looking for an enough in one. <laughs> can a tool do yeah. enough of what I need? Um, well, and I mean, regardless of whether we have, you know, a million dollars or a hundred million dollars, I mean, I think there's still that basic concept, that basic question that everybody comes into a meeting with is, you know, am I okay? Yeah. Am Will I, okay? I be okay? And if I'm not, what can I do to be okay? And if you can't answer those three questions in a meeting, I don't care how much complexity you've gone over and, you know, how much mastery of their plan you feel like you've uh, developed and how much time you've put into it. None of that really matters. If the client leaves the office and they still don't know if they're okay or not, you failed. Amen. Amen. That's, it's a, it's a game of certainty and, and, uh, I think confidence, be honest, because we can't control the future, right? We can only hopefully put ourselves in a position to make good or better decisions and good habits and behaviors, by the way, that support those decisions that we're making. Cause that's, that's the way you, you get higher probability of success long-term. Well, and engagement too. I mean, it's, we found this out in the philanthropic 
planning that we do, when when we helped uh, our clients develop a mission statement, when we helped them, you know, really select, get down to selecting their charities and introducing them to, you know, the people who are running the development teams for those charities, that made all the difference in the world. And that mission statement kind of guided everything. And, yeah. and it took all the complexity of the, you know, and all the jargon and everything out of it because it was just you know, clear as day, here's exactly who I am, what I'm, you know, what I'm all about, what I want to accomplish. Uh, and then all the tools and, and things that you can utilize, they all fall in line based on that. And I think if I had one thing I would add to asset map, it would be a a mission statement that would, Hmm. that would populate on that, either the top or the bottom of it. Interesting. You know, what what is my financial mission? What what is that cornerstone thing that I hope to achieve? Because I would want that on my map. Interesting. And if That's I don't, and if I don't have that, if I don't have that, I need to be thinking about it. I need to constantly be. Uh, I think Kirsty in that uh, podcast said, you know, she she referenced the, the person who apologized for writing a long letter because they didn't have enough time to write a shorter one. Um, and and I think that. <laughs> I think the idea behind that is so crystal clear because once somebody's gone through that that idea of what what is my mission statement what what does it mean for me to be okay hmm. uh, I would want that at the you know as the hallmark of my picture if I could caption my picture I'd want that uh, but that I'm sure cool. like like you said if you get five financial advisors in an elevator they'll give you five different ideas but that, that's my seven. one. <laughs> <laughs> that's my one. So I understand that's that cool. asset map is, is asset map moving to the consumer level as well? Or are we going to be able to go direct to consumer for those uh, yeah. who might be listening, who maybe don't have a financial advisor or actually enjoy doing this stuff? What? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. There's a, there's a couple things that are going on for us that we think demographically, there's a big shift obviously to more DIY or do it yourself. It, you know, typically those individuals who've worked with with us if, as financial advisors are the do it for me, D-I-F-M. And that mm-hmm. still only represents between 20 and 30 percent of the total marketplace, which means that the other 70 or so percent are doing some kind of hybrid, doing some of it themselves, doing working with a professional or doing it entirely themselves or doing nothing. And the challenge that we've realized is that the real reason that people are lost, most people are, are lost or under or not, we'll say, efficient or have no financial literacy is because we don't teach this from childhood, which is a failure in society. Um, and we don't make it easy to understand the finances, especially around not just investment, investing, but cash flow decisions, spending, debt, uh, insurances, let alone investing or tax. I mean, we just don't get this benefit or this knowledge unless you've, you're interested and you do your own research. So what we've realized is that we have the potential to help society we have a we think we have a unique opportunity and where we see it as a social movement is we'd like to get asset map in the hands of everyone on the planet we think that everybody should have a, a way to communicate what they've got what's it, whatever their financial closet looks like no judgment no you know it doesn't matter what the numbers are it just can you communicate this effectively and you brought it up actually a couple minutes ago there are moments that we will all have in our life sorry to bring it up when we're going to deal with an estate, either ours or someone we care about. And one of the biggest challenges in that is that because we have asset ownership and financial instruments we control, 
the person who's left the survivor has to figure out what was going on in that person's life. And very often they don't have transparency and it becomes a real emotional burden and challenging to, to not lose a lot of capital because we just didn't know it was there. It's under the mattress or there was an account we didn't know about, or I didn't know dad had a life insurance policy. Well, there's a moment in life where we're all going to need a treasure map. And we think that way, one of the ways that we're going to help the greater good is by if people can map this out, then their, their family is not left in the lurch. So here's the, here's the vision. The vision is effectively, we want to get an asset map to every consumer. It'll be simplified so that they can do that. But we want them to have the capacity to share it with two major parties, the people they care about who needs to know where everything is buried. High level, very high level. Mm-hmm. Not down to the penny, just generally. I got an account here. I got a, I got a box of money here. I got this cash flow. And they, want, they need to get that advice, as you said, contextually when they need it. And that's when, in the moment when they're all of a sudden dealing with, oh, I got to fund my kid's education. Am I doing the right things? Oh, we're about to retire. We need to talk to somebody. Oh, we're thinking about next next level planning or wealth. We need to talk to somebody. And, and our vision is that we're going to allow a consumer to connect with advisors and teams like yourselves that have experience interpreting that x-ray that can bring legal tax, insurance, investment, expertise when they need it by just sharing their asset map. So that that vision has been something we've had for gosh 10 years. We think that we think we could do this multiculturally. We can do it now in multiple currencies and languages right now. Why not? Why not put an asset map on every fridge uh, and really empower people to at least know what they've got and then decide if they need help or not. And I think that's going to create an enormous amount of opportunity for financial advisors who can then plug in and interpret those x-rays. That's very cool. So on, on a personal level, what, mm-hmm. what has Asset Map helped you with the most as, as just an investor or a steward mm-hmm. of your capital or where have you mm-hmm. found the most benefit from it personally? You know, it's, 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 oh, for me personally. Yeah. I've got a good amount of complexity, uh, having been in this business. Um, one of the things I did see over time is that our wealthiest clients usually built their wealth from either business ownership or real estate, or inherited it. That's where 99% of that money came from. Uh, And what happens in that process is it creates more and more complexity. And for me, it's been being able to communicate with not only myself, wow, that's right, I have stuff here and I'm not paying attention to this, is recognition where I need help. And that honesty for myself, that transparency is really valuable because like you said, we tend to focus on our one or two big accounts, right? You have a 401k, maybe you have a brokerage, maybe you think about your business and you think about it obsessively. That's it gets 90% of the attention span. And then you've got all these little pieces all over the place that nobody's even paying attention to. When you add all those little pieces up, they actually start becoming meaningful. And I think um, when you ask the question of people want to know if they're okay, it's only in the context of what you're currently doing. Um, I find that for me, I like to try to declutter a lot and say, okay, I don't need these three accounts. Let's consolidate them. So for me, it's, it's actually more about, can I make it more manageable? And lastly, can I communicate it? So I have, I have now a whole team around me because I'm a, I'm a consumer of my own uh, nonsense, right? Which means I have a lawyer and an accountant and a bookkeeper and a, and a personal assistant and, a, you know, and someone running my different companies. And we need to communicate. And if I walked in there with a spreadsheet, there's no way I'm going to lose everybody. So we can go to a map and say, okay, we need to just talk about this area here. What are we going to do about this? And now we have an intentional agenda uh, 
that allows us all to say, okay, wait, why, wait, why are you doing this? Have you thought about doing this? Now people bring ideas to the table. So I've, I've used it as a collaborative uh, agenda effectively of the truth that we don't leave things asunder. And that's, that's the key for me. I think a lot of people find that utility too. Once you start doing this, it becomes addictive. And then you talked about the concept of simple rich. (laughs) What does that mean to you? And and how do you think it'll manifest itself in the tech and services that we provide going forward? I like that concept. If you ever write a book, I think that'd be a good title. I know. I, I, I literally, I think I bought that. I may, maybe I didn't buy the URL, but I tend to buy a lot of URLs. <laughs> don't go out and buy that one. Yeah. Um, if you've got another hat, you can put it on now. If it, I don't if have it. Got, I, I, I'm going to go make one. I, I make all these, <laughs> I make all my clothes, right? So I, I, I basically found out this, this place that you can make, make all your clothes and brand it how you want. So I, I just do that. I don't go to the store. Um, and if you can't see, basically I'm wearing a rethink hat, which is my podcast <laughs> with Derek Nauman. So, um, constantly branding, by the way, my friend, um, (laughs) what is simple rich and how do I explain that real fast? Simple rich, um, is an idea that whatever we create, at least at asset map. And we use this also in our presentations for our clients. It has to be simple enough to consume that everybody without a, a finance degree can consume it. They get it. They understand it conceptually but rich enough that a professional can look at it and, and not feel like this is Fisher price. And that's a, that's a challenging dichotomy. Like your, I didn't have a lot enough time to write a more concise email. Right. So I wrote this big blabbering, uh, you know, uh, dialogue. Um, I think, I think simple rich is, um, it's an art more than it is a science but it's an attempt to be inclusive in communication, right? Invite more people to be part of the conversation without being intimidating. And at the same time, also be insightful enough where, you know, I need to, okay, send me all the underlying data. And that's, that's what we're trying really to do with Asimap because as a professional, you and I, we're already advanced. We know what to look for. We know what questions to ask. And if you make it too Crayola, it's like, okay, I can't take this seriously. I need more richness. I need more depth. And that's what we're trying constantly to do with Asset Map, especially in our planning engine. How do you not go into 80-page reports? But then, of course, how do you do a one-pager that, that basically still holds water against an 80-page report? I mean, that's not, that's not easy. It's not easy to do simple. Well, and especially when you're working with couples, I mean, it, it seems to me that in the majority of cases, you'll have one spouse that values the, the simplicity of the, mm. of the information and another one that Very values true. the richness. Very true. And so in order to keep both of those people engaged, I mean, you are constantly walking that, you know, walking that tightrope of how do I keep it simple enough to engage, you know, the party who's not involved in this day to day. Uh, but still wants to still wants to know it. And how do I keep it rich enough to keep the interest of somebody who is involved in it day to day? And, you know, so it, that is to me, that's maybe it's kind of like the Supreme Court's definition of pornography. You know it when you see it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that is a that is definitely something that we have to think about as we, you know, as we have these ma- who are we presenting these pictures to and what do they value in the picture? Yeah, perfectly said. Perfectly said. It's about empathy. I think it's it's making it so that you can communicate with everybody uh, and understanding other people's needs to 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 really want to understand their financial life, 
so I drew you this picture, but it's not no so it's not so uh, rough that we can't look at it and say, okay, I see technically what we need to do as well. And that's, that's and the, do you that's find do you find people actually using the notes section and the target maps and things like that, or do you find it kind of falling? Is that a part of the program that that advisors aren't using as much as you'd like? Maybe ask a question a different way. What part of the program do you find advisors not using that they should be using? Mm -hmm. um, well, there's over 400,000 active financial plans and asset maps. So I think people are using the target maps. And it's one of those things that we didn't build to be competitive to financial core financial planning, right? There's fantastic tools out there that do financial planning. We were really just trying to do what we would call financial planning triage, right? I, I, I wanted to get to a place where we have all this data and asset map, right? You talked about all-in-ones. Is asset map trying to be a full financial planning tool all-in-one? Not really, but it's like a med kit if you're out in the field. And if you're on the battlefield, like med kit is pretty darn good. I can save you. <laughs> you know, That's right. I don't need a whole hospital with an MRI, but I can save you until we get to back to the, you know, back to HQ. So the reason is, is that we focus more on speed and accessibility. So the idea was, could we create a financial plan in 30 seconds? Tell you how you're doing on track for retirement, education, life insurance, long-term care. Can we run those scenarios so that we can get a good flavor for, for the, for the current state of things and then decide whether we needed a full MRI. Um, so again, I, I, we tend to think about this very much from the health perspective because financial wellness is the key, by the way, it, we, I don't, it's not wealth anymore. It's wellness, regardless of what level of, of capital you control, everybody's just trying to be just a little bit more fit. And so I think that's where financial wellness comes into play. And the reason why that's important is because Asset Map is going to double down on being a financial x-ray, the standard financial x-ray for families, and then also layer in diagnostic tools. We, right now, we just rolled out signals. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's mm -hmm. basically, we run the six events that typically disrupt financial lives, right? Like, God forbid we, we die early or we have a long-term care event. I want to know if you can handle it, right? I need, I need to know mathematically whether you can handle that, that event and whether you have the right stuff in place. And if you don't, I want it as simple as a red light. Give me a red light if it's not good. Give me a green light if it's good enough and yellow if we're not sure. And now I can figure out where we're going to go dig, right? We're going to go dig into this this quarter and figure out whether we're going to, whether this is something to address. And let's, hey, let's run a target map and figure out in 30 seconds whether this is a real problem or a fake problem. And if I need to go deeper, fine, that's great. I got awesome planning tools I can use. But we're finding that 80% of what you need to do in the field, we can probably get by with that med kit. Um, and actually people appreciated that because speed matters. Time, giving you your time back and clarity and confidence fast versus I got to wait three days or three weeks for clarity on whether financial planning is going to come back. And I still have to figure out what it says. Uh, I think it's much more valuable to give me back my answer fast. Answer the question. Yeah, then show absolutely. me the analysis. Yeah. Right. Even if the answer is, well, you know, this is, this is a close call. We need more time. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's, that's clarity. That's in and of itself a clarity. That's, that's a clarifying answer. Uh, you know, that's, I would find comforting as, you know, somebody looking for whether it's financial or medical attention or whatever. Uh, it's yes, we've looked at the x-ray. We understand that, you know, we, we can't make a judgment yet, but now we know what we need to do to make that judgment and oh, we're going to do it. Right. You, you just, I mean, you just reminded me and I, 
a friend of mine had a recent uh, fin- uh, uh, physical ailment, massive pain, couldn't figure out what it was, went to the doctor, like weeks of just not knowing what it was. That was the worst part of it, was pain without clear diagnosis and waiting three days to get the appointment and then waiting another week. Because that, do- when you think about the anxiety and the built up that that causes, as opposed to saying, uh, yeah, we think it's this and start doing this or stop doing that, right? <laughs> um, right. Give me, get me to a place where I can start hopefully fixing or helping uh, as opposed to living in the limbo. And I think especially as these events, like you said, episodic planning, I got an event, I need to address it, I need an expert. Waiting is not good. So that's what we're, we're trying to accelerate that process to give feedback so we can decide what path we should start pursuing. And we could be wrong, but let's pursue a path. Well, I think, I think anything that's simple, rich, and conserves our time is, is well worth pursuing. And so in, in, in light of, in light of conservation of time, I've kept you a little over when I, what I expected to Adam, I really, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for uh, all that you're doing for our industry and for the incredible tool that you built and uh, best of luck to you as you roll it out to the rest of the world. Thank you, James. Really appreciate all the content you're creating and all the great things you're doing at Silicon Hills. It's fantastic stuff. And that's a wrap for our conversation with Adam Holt, founder and CEO of Asset Map. If Adam sounded really comfortable behind the mic, that's because he is. In addition to being founder and CEO of Asset Map, Adam co-hosts, along with Derek Notman, the podcast called Rethink. It's a great listen for those of you in the financial advisory services industry or considering a career change or a career start into financial services. Thanks to Adam and his team for building a software platform that allows those of us with relatively zero artistic ability to paint that meaningful picture that matters to our clients. And the cool thing is we get to paint it using all the numerical elements that really matter to us. And of course, thank you for listening and engaging with us. We hope you're enjoying our founders episodes at a voice from the Hills. Please be sure to subscribe to our feed. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere you choose to listen. If you have suggested guests or topics, just slide up into our Voice from the Hills Instagram DMs and share them with us. We'd love to hear them. If you'd like to know more about Silicon Hills Wealth Management and how we do business, please check us out on the web at siliconhillswealth.com. We can only do our best work when you are here to listen. Thank you.